testing, testing, testing. Oh my gosh, I, I sound like Nancy Pelosi. But everybody and their mother has been talking about testing. Everybody saying that we need more of it. It's everybody saying we need the vaccine. It's the only way we can get back to civilization. President Trump announcing yesterday that the FDA will authorize for emergency use plasma therapy. On the therapeutics front, this is what I've been looking to do for a long time. This is a great thing. Today, I'm pleased to make a truly historic announcement in our battle against the China virus that will save countless lives. The FDA has issued an emergency use authorization, and uh, that's such a a powerful term, emergency use authorization for a treatment known as convalescent plasma. This is a uh, powerful therapy that transfuses very, very strong antibodies from the blood of recovered patients to help treat patients battling a current infection. It's had an incredible rate of success. Today's action will dramatically expand access to this treatment. And I want to thank Dr. Hahn. And- no discussion of it being a cure-all. No discussion of it being a vaccine. Just that it's allowed now, authorized for use. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So great to be with you. Phil Kirpin joins us right now. He is the president of American Commitment, a free market policy analyst and advocate in Washington who has been following on the testing side of things where we are coming up short. It is acceptable, as I would describe it, to note mistakes that we are making regarding bureaucracy, keeping us from being able to do things properly and efficiently. Phil Kirpin is one of those guys, been taking a look at testing. And I do want to ask you, Phil, about this emergency authorization of plasma. But it is the FDA, which originally it was the CDC that put all of their testing eggs in the FDA basket. And the FDA failed for a good 30 days until they started allowing other labs to get into this business. Talk to me about the failures of the FDA and where you see the biggest problem right now and one that can be fixed. Well, uh, from the beginning, we had a catastrophic failure uh, between both the CDC and the FDA. As you just mentioned, they came to the decision that all testing would be done uh, with their test in their labs, uh, which did not have the scale uh, to deal with it. And frankly, their test didn't work very well. They ended up uh, finding that their test was contaminated. And uh, we lost crucial early weeks, three or four weeks in February, when they could have made all the difference uh, if we had private labs up and running, uh, as we later sort of did on the fly. Um, and we should have learned from Korea, because we keep hearing from people saying, oh, be like Korea, be like Korea. And then I looked at what they did. They outsourced 100% of their testing to private labs from the beginning. And the Bay government basically said to the major private companies, you know, build this and make it work. And you remember President Trump eventually came to that. He did that big press conference at the White House with Quest and LabCorp. And he said, these guys are going to take it over for the CDC. And then we built out testing. And then we had a lot of testing. And we now have by far the most testing in the world. We've done 70 million some tests. But um, they've mostly been the wrong type of test because we're doing these lab tests. You've got to send it off to the lab. They use these ultra, ultra sensitive tests that can show positive for 12 weeks based on old dead viral debris, even though you're only infectious typically for seven to 10 days. Uh, And so a lot of the time, by the time you get the result back from your test, they said, hey, you tested positive. By the time you get it back, you're not infectious anymore because you waited a few days to see if you still felt sick and then you took it and then 
it took three or three to five to six to seven days to get the test back. And so, you know, you can't take any action based on a test that uh, takes that long. And so the big failure, in my view, uh, the big failure right now ongoing is that they've not approved any of the home tests, uh, the instant tests. And uh, there's a very good technology that was developed at MIT. And there are a couple of companies that uh, have been applying to FDA for months for home tests that would use a specially coated strip of paper uh, where you would basically lick it or spit on it and uh, it would react if you're positive and you'd find out in 10 or 15 minutes at home whether you have it or not. And then, you know, if you don't have it, you could maybe put a sticker on that said, I tested negative today, go about your daily life, not worry about infecting anyone. And uh, everyone would know you're good. If you tested positive, obviously you could stay home and not infect anyone. Uh, But the FDA has not approved any of these home tests because they're not as sensitive as the lab tests. But Tony, that's actually a good thing. You want a a test that is no more sensitive than it needs to be for you to know if you could infect someone. You don't need a test that's so sensitive that it's going to go show positive for 12 weeks based on old dead viral debris. But the the bigger piece of this... Uh, Phil, is that we've gotten this this very strange level of mixed messaging on testing, which is you have the Speaker Pelosi view of testing, testing, testing. You have to have more testing. And then we hear President Trump say we've got more testing than anybody. And people say, yeah, well, that doesn't matter. So let's now take it to a, a, a different basic what is the value of 70 million tests uh, in, in, in America? We have 5.6 million cases, according to the CDC, 175,000 deaths. And I always argue that does not engage comorbidities uh, that really led to deaths. So I don't know what to do with that number. I question that number very, very publicly. I don't question whether or not coronavirus is dangerous or whether or not coronavirus has led to people dying. But what is the value of the tests and the idea of more testing? Well, you know, to me, the um, generally speaking, doctors don't use diagnostic tests unless it's going to make a difference to the treatment that they uh, use. And for the vast majority of people, uh, you know, it's just a viral infection. You're going to get over it. They don't really have any uh, medicine that works on it. They're not going to do anything different for you from a treatment standpoint, from a clinical standpoint, using the positive test. And so it doesn't have that much diagnostic value. We've begun using it as a surveillance tool, uh, essentially, to try to prevent uh, ongoing transmission, to identify who has it so we can make sure they stay home, don't infect anyone else. Uh, Tests can be useful for that purpose, but to the point I was just making, they need to be the right tests. And a test that you have to send out to a lab that can develop backlogs, that can take days to get back to you, is not particularly useful for the purposes of preventing onward transmission, because by the time you get the results, you might not even be infectious anymore if it was a positive. And that's why it's so critical to get these home tests approved so that if somebody's wondering if they have it, they can find out themselves at home. And also just sort of the libertarian in me, I want people to be able to test and not have the government know, not have the labs know, not you you decide what to do with that information because you're the one who tested it and you control it. I think that has a lot of appeal to people like us as well. So the idea being that you could do a home test, and if you have one, then you could go to your doctor and say, hey, this home test happened, what do you think? And then they could go forward from there with a stronger version of a test. Uh, correct. Exactly. And uh, you could also, if you're getting a negative regularly, you, you could have full confidence that you don't need to be too worried. And so, especially because these tests, the coded paper tests that were developed at MIT, they say they can manufacture them for around a dollar each, which means they could probably sell them for two or three bucks each, which means, you know, you could buy a lot of them for yourself and your family. It wouldn't be this $100 lab test thing you got to wait on and you can only do, you know, once or twice ever. 
you'd be able to do it pretty regularly. Talking to Phil Kirpin of American Commitment, AmericanCommitment.org. He has uh, done time, spent time, done time. That's funny. With the Freedom Enterprise Fund, the Club for Growth, and the Cato Institute. We hear President Trump uh, yesterday talk about uh, this uh, convalescent plasma. Talk about this, um, uh, what they would hope will be effective in treating coronavirus patients. This was the same conversation, basically. This was the conversation of hydroxychloroquine. No, it's it's not. Hydroxychloroquine is not built for this, but it might be helpful. Give it a shot. No, uh, the convalescent plasma is not necessarily works in this way in terms of being built for it, but it might help. Then you've got scientists, as Newsweek wants to print. It's outrageous that President Trump would say such a thing. There is a weird damned if you do, damned if you don't going on, where the president and it says, hey, here are things that might work, and we would just want to open it up to be able to give people an opportunity to try it if their doctor says so and see what happens. And the media and and the quote-unquote scientists are like, how dare you do such a thing? Isn't this the normal stuff that goes on when people don't know what's happening? And they're like, well, give it a shot. Yeah, the whole idea of the emergency use authorization is, look, this is not a totally proven treatment. We're not approving it and saying, uh, you know, that this works. We're saying there's a lot of evidence that it might work. And therefore, given the nature of the situation, we're going to leave it up to doctors and patients to decide if they want to try it. And I think that's totally appropriate. This is not something that the president made up shooting from the hip. I mean, this is research that's been conducted by the Mayo Clinic. They found uh, in the trials that they've been doing that it has a 20 percent or greater reduction in mortality. Uh, you know, it would be great to have randomized controlled trials, and I get the people who are saying that, but wh- why wait for a randomized controlled trial if we've got something that's showing promise and uh, the Mayo Clinic is saying, hey, this is working, uh, then open it up and make it available. And if doctors and patients that are in a situation where you've got severe illness and you want to try something and you can get access to the plasma under this, I only see that as a good thing. We know it's safe, and so there's not a lot of downside in that regard, and so I, I, I have no problem with what the president did, and I think the people who are attacking him are the people who would attack him for literally anything that he does, Tony. So what is your take on where America is on this? You watched four days of the Democratic National Convention, no conversation about law and order, no conversation about Portland or Seattle or Chicago or New York, no conversation about the difference between rioters and protesters, no conversation about the violence, but plenty of Donald Trump killed your grandmother talk regarding coronavirus. Uh, what does what does the Republican Party and the RNC do to change that conversation? Conversation And is there a feel that America has bought into this? Well, Trump got everybody killed. I think that, um, you know, I think that I, I think that the biggest mistake that Biden made in the past week on this whole issue is saying that he'd be willing to put the whole country into a national lockdown. Uh, I think that that was an incredible blunder. Because whether you think that President Trump did things largely right or largely wrong in this, uh, it's pretty clear to anyone who's paying attention that lockdowns were ineffective to limit the spread of the virus, but imposed enormous harms uh, on everyone in this country. And the fact that you've got one presidential candidate that now has them in play, that has them on the table, that might reimpose it, uh, I think was a huge mistake. But whether Trump can take advantage of that is another question, because, of course, he wants to continue to claim that he saved millions of lives, which, you know, I think people would appreciate the candor of him saying, you know what, we were too aggressive with these lockdowns and we harmed a lot of things, but it's not in him to admit mistakes ever. I mean, there was a uh, right. 
article out of the UK today was one of their top advisors basically saying, you know, we made a mistake. We never should have locked down. I don't think you're ever going to see that from Fauci or Burks or Trump. Uh, we just, we, you know, it's it, that's not our way to acknowledge mistakes of that nature. Um, so that makes it harder, I think, for the president to capitalize on the mistake that the Democrats uh, made in saying that they'd be willing to go back into lockdown. But uh, I think that the people who blame Trump for a virus, as if, you know, this isn't something that's spreading over the entire world that seems to happen no matter what policies you pursue uh, to fight back against it. I, I don't think they have appeal beyond their base voters. I, I don't think anyone who wasn't already decided that they hate Trump is going to be compelled by, hey, this is his virus, because it's just such a poorly supported argument. Phil Kirpin is his name, AmericanCommitment.org. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Kirpin, K-E-R-P-E-N. Phil, always a pleasure. More to get to, including uh, this Wisconsin story, part two, and how they reacted to a police shooting. That's coming up. I'm Tony Katz.